Welcome to the Food Junkies Podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Food Junkies podcast. We are really excited about the episode today because we are talking all things kidney with Dr. Robin Rose. We are all aware of the damage sugar does to the brain, heart, liver, and gut. But what about that magical bean-looking organ, the kidney? Today, Dr. Rose shares her personal experience with kidney disease and why giving up sugar was a big part of healing her kidney. I also think moving to Hawaii helped. She gave Vera and I a little tour of her backyard, which was like this magical garden, and you'll hear the birds singing in the background. So that definitely, I think, might have played a part. But anyways, what I most appreciated about this interview was her explanation of what the kidney does, why it is important, and some questions we should be asking ourselves about our own kidney health. Pay close attention to how she explains exactly how having poor kidney function or kidney damage affects our melatonin levels and vitamin D production. If kidney is not working properly, this may be one of the reasons we are struggling with sleep or experiencing low mood and or depression. What we love about Robin is her passion on informing and educating physicians on early intervention for increasing kidney function and her take on what she calls renology and what that actually involves, which she will share with you today. We know you will enjoy hearing her recommendations for how someone with kidney damage should eat and what they benefit from removing from their food plan. Of course, sugar is definitely on the list. Listen in as Vera and Robin dive deep into why taking care of this organ is so important for our longevity. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome to the Food Junkies podcast. My name is Dr. Vera Tarman, and I am your co-host today along with Clarissa Kennedy. Today we are talking to Dr. Robin Rose, a Hawaiian medical doctor who has a specialized interest in primary care nephrology. She received her family medicine training in Santa Rosa, California in the 1990s, and then after a personal scare with kidney disease, she focused her private practice and passion for people with chronic kidney disease. It's no surprise to us at Food Junkies that she too has strong opinions about sugar addiction and how it affects kidney as well as our general health. So welcome, Dr. Rose. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please, let's start, if you don't mind, telling us, we always like to get a little bit of the personal story first. What was your experience with kidney disease and how did that bring you to an awareness of sugar addiction and the role of sugar? in kidney disease. What was your aha moment? The aha moment was the day I got a call from the radiologist to tell me that the uh, scan that I just had revealed a five centimeter kidney tumor. Wow. That was a bit of an alarming moment. I was actually on my way to be moving to Hawaii at that point, and that got my attention. You know, the rule of thumb is that we can live with one kidney. That's not exactly pure truth. Hmm. But I walked in and asked 
for a nephrectomy because I wanted the tumor to be gone and was reassured, you're fine, don't worry. So off I went to move to Hawaii three weeks after major surgery. It was kind of an ordeal, but well worth it. And three months later, I returned to Oregon where I'd been living to do a follow-up CAT scan and just, you know, evaluate things. And the next aha moment is we can't give you contrast. I used a few four-letter words with Christmas Eve and found out that my GFR was at the bottom of stage three, which is kind of the intro to really declining. And I saw a nephrologist who basically just said, don't worry about it. People live 30 years with this. Have any advice? Well, no, don't worry about it. He told me he himself ate a plant-based diet. I asked him if he suggested I do so. Nah. So as a primary care physician, I had to look in the mirror and realize that primary care is not up to speed with kidney. And so that really was the beginning of the aha. And I'll just go a little bit of, of basics. is kidney disease. Most people think of kidney disease. The first thing they do is run into, are you on dialysis? Dialysis is like decades later. And so my question became, what happened before all this? And at the time, with a GFR in the low 30s, my brain wasn't really working. You know what? You're talking terminology. So you mentioned stage three and you mentioned GFR. Are you going to explain that or can you just give us a a little primer right now so that we can follow your story? You know, so dialysis is end stage. Yeah. People cannot live without being on life support. And It was discovered in 1960, and all of a sudden, all of the advice that we were giving people with kidney turned into a pathway to dialysis with a lot of negativity and not a whole lot of lifestyle. And as a physician, I was always a lifestyle-induced you know, nutrition-inspired physician. And sugar has always been something that I advise people to avoid, just as a segue into why we're doing this talk. And so the process to get to end stage starts somewhere. And the staging was set up by some international group of nephrologists. And stage one is almost ignored. GFR is, stands for glomerular filtration rate, and that's the thing you see on labs as well as creatinine. Almost every panel that, that a doctor orders, you'll, you'll see that on. And so stage two, which I think is where we in primary care need to start looking, is considered normal. So the GFR, the filtration rate at 60, is the cutoff rate in nephrology. And my thought as a original thinking primary care physician was, wait a minute, in my realm, I'm not a nephrologist, in my realm, I want to start looking at this early because stage two, there's plenty of stuff that's broken. But we don't really start telling people you need to be concerned about kidney until this number of 60. Which is the difference between two and three? Yes. And so if you think of full function as 120, just a number, GFR of 60 is 50% loss already. That's a concern to me as a primary care physician. And what I realized is I didn't know enough about kidney to even talk to myself. Actually, so could we stop you there? And could you just give a quick definition? What does the kidney do for us, for those of us who have no idea? Because we know lots about the liver, lots about the brain, but we don't know anything about the kidney. Like, it's unbelievable. 
Exactly. I mean, even even physicians who are not kidney specialists really don't understand the array. You know, everybody knows the kidney's a filter. You know, whatever the body doesn't want that goes out in the urine goes through this delicate little amazing organ. I mean, it's way more complicated than I ever imagined. But it does a whole lot more than that. You know, the, the effect on almost every organ is known. And I, I've kind of been working on going through a survey. How does kidney affect the brain? How does kidney affect the eyes, the nose, the ears, the throat, the swallowing, the stomach? It's so amazing. And so when kidney function decreases, things like gout happen, things like multiple myeloma, hyperparathyroidism, you know, and so it's really a systemic disease. It affects the whole body. Cardio disease, so stage three, which is a GFR between 30 and 60. So you're thinking from 25% to 50% function, not much. And yet we still neglect it. Yeah, you know, we give people blood pressure medicine and diabetes medicine and cholesterol medicine, all useful. But in my practice, I've always tried to get to people earlier than when they needed the meds and start making changes. And I've been very successful with that because I was kind of um, continuing. You know, I just mentioned it once. So I'm going to interrupt again because I still want to, I, I'm, I'm thinking for, for our listeners. So if somebody only has 50% kidney function, what is it that they're not able to do? What can't they filter anymore? Like they can't filter the uric acid, which then leads to a buildup, which then leads to gout, yeah. for example. Yeah, I mean, proteins. Like yeah. I was reading, insulin oh, yeah. doesn't get excreted as well. Okay. And so then you get a buildup of these toxins that should be peed out, essentially. Exactly. And then cause all these illnesses. And we don't even know the array of them. You know, there's, they yeah. call them uremic toxins. Every year, the list of what really does harm kidney and what kidney causes to rise, it harms other parts of the body. It's, it's very significant. It's way more than just filtering. I mean, anemia is an issue. Melatonin is an issue. Vitamin D is an issue. Wait, wait, wait. wait. These are all interesting things. How, how is melatonin? How is anemia? And what was the other one? Vitamin D. How are they impacted? The kidney is a busy little thing. It's a <laughs> busy bean. And it, it packages stuff up. So the liver makes one form of vitamin D that's not active. Uh-huh. The kidney finishes up the production and then we have access to to vitamin D. So with decreased kidney function, you might not have enough vitamin D and that's a chronic problem in society right now. Huge. Yeah. And and kidney disease, by the way, is very pandemic. It's way more of a pandemic than the one that's in the news. It's so enormous. And you know, the thing that I walked into this is we can't neglect it until later stage. We have to start early. And in fact, the thing that with kidney that's concerning is whatever causes it, and it can be a cardiovascular cause. It could be a diabetes metabolic cause. It could be cancer. It could be autoimmune, toxins, infections, accidents. Many things can hurt kidney. And it doesn't really matter what, because I mean, it does, but the end point is inflammation at a cell level that means all kinds of cytokines we all have heard about cytokines it's a big deal with kidney and then fibrosis so scarring and just like in the heart and the brain this other major organ once it scars it doesn't work well but earlier 
you can actually intervene before the fibrosis, before it scars. If you change your ways, you can actually reverse some of the damage. And I've seen it. I've seen people go from, you know, a, a less 20% function up to 40% function, 50%. Uh-huh. Every bit of that matters. You know, I can tell you the difference in how my brain was working when I was at, you know, 26 or 7% compared to um, currently just, I've gone from about 25% to just about 50% with effort, with a great deal of effort. And one of the things that I did seg into our intention was I gave up sugar. I've been saying I should give up sugar for, you know, the last 25 years. And it's an unfortunate reality that many of us wait until, you know, Maxwell silver hammer bangs them and then I'm doing it. I'm changing. And so Uh part of what I like to help people understand is we are in a toxic world and kidneys are vulnerable to these toxins. So we're all concerned about kidney. Whether your numbers show it or not, it's it's a big deal, you know. And so with sugar, we also know that it is very dangerous to blood vessels and to the heart, to the brain. And yet, you know, all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute. They used a cholesterol card and said, sugar's okay. It's the fats. But actually, I mean, I'm very blessed. I I had some very good nutrition teachers early on, and I heard this. It's not the cholesterol, it's the sugar. Not that cholesterol is nothing, but we've neglected the fact that sugar is, you know, I mean, some of the details that I found in in preparing to do this talk with you is that historically people ate three pounds of sugar a year. That was it. And now we're up to like 70 to 80 pounds as a statistic. And, you know, unless you're a passionate cook, you're getting ridiculous amounts of sugar every day. And, you know, I mean, it's lovely. I mean, I I can't say I don't still love sugar. It's just, we broke up. It was like a bad boyfriend who hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, you stay over there. And, you know, with kidney disease, I had low blood pressure before this. Now I have high blood pressure. Can you explain in a, in a just a, like three sentences, what does sugar do to the, the kidney? Why, why is it a toxin to the kidney? I mean, we understand with the heart, you know, there's the inflammatory, there's clogged vessels. Is, is it the same process that's happening? Very similar. I mean, you know, I, I got really excited about reading about dopamine, which is a yeah. hormone that sugar induces. And it's that yeah. pleasure thing. Well, that's nice, except that when you have too much, it's yeah. going to hurt. So that's a piece of it. The tubules are where the action is. You know, so the way the kidney works, there's this clump of blood vessels. Every bit of everything in our blood goes through that. This is great. Thank you. And the glomerulus is this clump that everything has to go through. Some things do and some things don't. You know, early on, so in stage two, diabetics may often start spilling protein through mm-hmm. this and it ends up in the urine instead of going back in the body. So Which is they, why we test for protein, folks. Absolutely. Yep. And, and it's very dangerous. I mean, once you have that, it's it, you either got to start taking care of things or it, it decline happens. You know, and, and these are the kinds of things that keep those nephrons from turning into scar tissue. And so, you know, there's that, there's a lot of enzymes in tubules. So it goes through the glomerulus and then it goes through the system of tubules. It's really complicated. Honestly, after years of studying this, I'm still learning these complicated things. And the kidney tubules are a lot like 
the small intestine. We all talk about SIBO these days. Well, I think there's a very similar thing that happens. And so anything that comes and torments the kidney tubules are going to alter how everything works. Remember, insulin is a consequence of sugar metabolism. So if our sugar isn't processing correctly, we get a boost of insulin. You need insulin when you have too much of it. You have damage, cardiovascular issues, the blood vessel linings get damaged by sugar as a result of this. These tubules have enzymes that just get messed up, not working right. And so the consequences are huge. So, you know, sugar is 50% fructose and fructose is bad news. And this is an aside. I used to tell people, well, fructose is okay, but not necessarily, you know, glucose. But I was wrong. And over time, we know fructose messes up the liver, you know, non, non-alcoholic non fatty liver is a sugar thing. There's dementia that happens. It messes up the lining of blood vessels and it raises uric acid, which means you're at risk for gout. And that is an issue with kidney disease because uric acid is lovely stuff. It's actually an antioxidant unless it gets too high. And then the oxidizing is chemical mumbo-jumbo for things rusting inside, in essence, and turn into inflamed, irritated tissues that end up scarring. And, you know, and so there's so many things that can happen. You know, I was reading a bit about the cognitive impairment and loss of neuroplasticity with eating sugar. So you think, wow, you know, I got all this energy. I feel good because it brings on dopamine and then you crash. And a whole bunch of chemistry happens in that crash. And, you know, I used to see this with people who were feeding their kids too much sugar. The kids weren't eating the right kinds of foods because they were full. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, the combination of salt, caffeine, and sugar really puts us at a big risk. Can I just go back? Another thing that you mentioned was the melatonin. So how does that fit into this? It's the same thing. It's it's final production is in kidney. And so with decreased function, you end up having decreased melatonin. And it, Which affects your sleep then. Exactly. And sleep disturbance is CKD. It's, it's a huge thing. I had no idea about that. Yeah, it's absolutely part of this. And you know, I've done so much research on what happens to somebody with CKD who doesn't sleep. And it just turns on all kinds of pathways that irritate the body. It's not a good thing. And so, you know, in my working with people with kidney disease, I kind of have, you know, this uh, 12-step program, which includes sleep and hydration and diet and toxins and educating yourself, exercise, there's more meditation. And funny thing, you know, some of these enzymes that are caused by too much sugar are actually modulated by all these things. These lifestyle things are really medicine. And so a lot of it is really deciding that you love yourself enough to take care of yourself. So, okay, so just to go back now, so we've got chronic kidney disease, stages one. So you mentioned that by stage three, you have less than 50%. Well, you have like 25%. And then if nothing changes, then eventually the kidney becomes scarred in the same way as the liver becomes scarred. And then you've got kidney failure. Okay. And when that happens, then what happens then? What, so like if somebody says, yeah, so what? So what, why is that a big deal? Generally, the risk of heart disease is enormous in that way. And so strokes, congestive heart failure, 
and heart attacks, atherosclerosis are known. And so, you know, it's not trivial. The immune system is dysfunctional, so more risk for infection, non-reactivity to vaccines. You know, there's just such an array. And not that every single person with kidney disease is going to get every one of these things. Yeah. What I'm finding is if we don't look, doctors, this huge array, and and I encourage patients, ask for these things. So I want to know about your solution, but before we get to that, I I just want to get to worst case scenario. So person says, okay, I'll go on dialysis. I'm assuming that some of these things that you're saying that are so important, dialysis isn't going to be able to address that. Like it's not going to be able to deal with the melatonin disruption or any of these other things. Am I right about that? And it's not fun. No, people on dialysis. You know, some of them are like, "Oh, my life's great," and they're they're okay with it. But the majority of people are really unhealthy and unhappy. Yeah, um, that's very complicated. Their risk of heart disease and death is is enormous. And that doesn't mean there are n of one. You know, there's individuals who do fine. Uh-huh. God bless them that they do fine. And that uh, on my account, at my age, I was like, "No way," uh-huh. for broke. And, I mean, and so- that, that was the aha. So the dialysis would be like just keeping the person alive, but all these finer points, cognitive awareness and mood, all these things cannot be addressed. We need to do it the proper way. You know, I'm sure that dialysis improves a lot when you hear people say, wow, you know, all these symptoms I had have gone away, but Uh give it a little time and another scenario comes yeah. back. You have to change your diet all over again. You know, and, and the thing with earlier kidney disease is if you recognize the few things that really can improve function. It's not that hard. It just takes, you got to want to do it. Okay. Patient willingness. So one more question before we get to what should we do instead? What about sweeteners? Can they also cause kidney damage? As far as I'm concerned, I mean, some of them are really hepatotoxic. They mess up your liver and it also continues the craving. I mean, some of the ones that I'm more happy about, I don't like the chemical ones. Stevia, I don't like the extract, but we actually buy a pound of finely ground stevia leaf powder and I bake with it. I mean, it has a little bit of an after bite that I'm not in love with, but if you use cardamom and cinnamon, it, it works. You know, monk fruits, the same thing. I'm not in love with it, uh-huh. but it's, you know, I can use a little bit of coconut sugar in, in something I'm baking and monk fruit. And it's really sweet. And I hardly used any, any sweetener. So, you know, the chemical ones, I'm just going to say, be wary. Toxins hurt kidney. Okay. And sorry, one more question about before we get to what to do. How does the kidney, if you can just maybe clarify again, how does the kidney affect mental health, like cognitive awareness and mental health? You know, all of the things that we've been talking about, changes in insulin, changes yeah. in blood vessels, cardio. Okay. Um, circulatory things, cytokines that are formed because the kidney is concerned and inflamed and worried go systemic. So a lot of things are like parallel patterns. And I kind of think of it as like the heart, the kidneys, and the brain is one organ system. Just kind of, they do it a little differently. But one of my really dear friends is doing similar work that I'm doing with kidney, with brain. A physician who actually had severe Lyme and lupus 
and became demented, even though she actually is a dementia researcher. And mm-hmm. when we speak, it's amazing the similarities, some of the, the things that we do to adjust the chemistry. It's the same. We're talking the same language. And it's, I think it's the same thing for heart. You know, we're, we're looking at blood vessels that are yeah. getting inflamed in between the structures there's fibrosis. They call it interstitial fibrosis. So that doesn't help either. Yeah. You know, your blood vessels want to dilate and constrict. They can't because they're scarred in. It's kind of like they're cemented. And that can happen because of kidney affecting brain. You know, there's epigenetics, which is what the soup we live in in the world, and the genetics, which is, you know, the wiring we came with. That interacts, and there's so much that we still don't know. You know, that looking at, at kidney from a genetic perspective, if, if you have certain genetic defects or your lifestyle has induced certain things that aren't working right, you can end up being more vulnerable to having kidney damage where the person sitting next to you experiencing right. the same things will be fine. Yeah. Well, I do want to say that when, when, uh, I mean, you, you've just made this triad of brain and heart and kidney. And I really appreciate our talk today because we have not known anything about the kidney and you're bringing this to the fore. So one more question before we get to the renology, you call it the treatment. You mentioned something about the gut biome and the kidney. How does that play? Enormous. I love this. This actually, when you asked me, what were my ahas, my oncologist she was an integrative doc. She includes a lot of nutrition and meditation and etc. She just said to me, wait till you get a load of what the kidney does to the microbiome. Wow. That was her way of patient education on my case. And that was the beginning of an enormous dive. There is so much information about the gut-kidney axis. Oh, tell us. And, you know, so basically, uremic toxins... These are an array of so many things that I don't, you know, we don't have time to go into it, but know that the body makes things. So you eat something, it metabolizes, and the body makes things that maybe for somebody with normal kidney function is okay. But if you have decreased function, uh uh-oh, you're going to have an accumulation that will cause breakage to the tight junctions. Tight Uh junctions mean, you know, the, the colon's a tube. Like the leaky gut syndrome. And that's leaky gut. So those junctions are proteins and the uremic toxins break that. Ah. All of a sudden you have leaky chemicals that you should poop out that go in the blood, circulate, and because the kidney's vulnerable and gets every drop of blood repeatedly all day, it's getting through tubules and harming them. So, you know, there's, there's things from amino acids, you know, from the little parts of protein that are causing some toxins that we know cause heart disease, 30 times worse when you have kidney disease. Uh-huh. You know, so basically it's like, I call it the, the great exacerbator, you know, it just like amps up the danger of other things, you know? And so one of the first things that we got into it in my household was fermenting foods. Ah. Now, a good use for sugar. You want to know what to do with your sugar? Feed it to the bugs. They make you healthy probiotics that can heal your gut. There you go. And so, okay. so these axes are important. You know, the, the kidney liver axis, the kidney brain axis, the kidney heart axis. It's so involved. They even have names for this now. And so, you know, we know that Sugar does not help the gut microbes. Okay. And so the thing about that is there are healthy microbes that give us things like vitamins 
and antioxidants and anti-inflammatory chemicals that helps us. And then there are bad microbes that often come from eating stupid, from breathing stupid, you know, from, from, from this life that we really shouldn't be um, indulging in. And those bugs cause inflaming molecules and trouble. Just understanding that changed, you know, that was like, okay, sign me up. You know, and so again, I keep getting back to it is decide you care enough about yourself to do it. Right. Well, that's where we are now. Let's talk about your, uh, I think you're calling it renology. How well, you know, here's what I thought. Nephrology, yeah. bless their hearts, have very sick patients. Uh-huh. Very sick. I mean, these people are really over my head in family practice thinking. However, their own documentation says, see your primary care physician until your GFR is 30. In mm-hmm. fact, the last nephrologist I saw, meaning the last one, actually said to me, why are you even here? We wow. don't. I know. I was a little shocked. Why are you even here? We don't need to see you till your GFR is 30. However, their own literature says, yes, send people to nephrology just to get an evaluation. But the problem is family medicine doesn't really know enough, you know, and and that's not okay with me. And so that's been my mission. I'm working with, with doctors. I'm trying to write enough so that we can help people. I mean, a lot of the patients that I worked with, you know, as more as a, as a coach in a way, and their physicians poo-pooed what I was saying. They'd come back to me and say, well, you know, they don't even care about this. And so renology was born from a tongue-in-cheek effort to say, renology is about kidney success, not kidney failure. Right. Turning vicious cycles into precious cycles. There's my book. And I- so- Good, I like it. <laughs> you know, and, and so that's a primary care prevention mindset. One of the nephrologists I saw, I'd have to, you know, fly and take taxis, and it was a whole ordeal getting there because I live on an isolated island. And, you know, basically it was just scare, scare, scare. Will you do dialysis when you're 95? Will you do it when you're 85? Could we yeah. speak about, about diet and protein? No, I don't do that. Oh, like, wow, you know, we need something else. We need to educate people. And what I found is people are open and willing. They're scared. They don't want to fall into living on a machine. Neither do I. And so it's like, okay, fine. You know, I am going to redo everything. Protein is a huge thing. The kind of protein, you know, kidney disease does much better without meat. So, you know, here goes you know, a basic part of my life. All right, what do I do? I fell in love with tofu. I'm really good at cooking tofu in amazing ways. So are are you saying actually that if you have any semblance of kidney disease, that a keto diet might not be the diet for you? Well, you can do keto. You can do a plant-based keto. And I don't think that every person has to be totally animal-free. Yeah. But, you know, a good 70%, really, I've seen people dramatically improve it's so cool to watch you know the numbers just go better it's it's amazing keto can work but you know too much protein is hard the nitrogen and protein is hard to filter and will damage things and so when somebody is spilling protein in their urine even if their quote function looks normal back down on protein fix the kind of protein in my mind make it organic glyphosate in food damages tight junctions why add to this problem and, and so, so what kind of what kind of protein amount like might you suggest in a day then like if somebody's trying to do uh 
like what is it a percentage of their weight like what would you say is a safe amount we talk about 0.8 grams yeah. of protein per kilogram of optimal body weight okay little arithmetic it's not that hard and i also really strongly encourage people to use chronometer it's free it is an annoyance to do it i got a scale how do you figure out what ingredients went in the soup you just made my husband is a number brainiac so that was how i managed to do it but i really encourage people to do it, it it's enlightening it, what is chronometer sorry what is that? it's an app it's a free app online oh. You put in what you're eating and it tells you what the protein amount is, What everything. I mean, oh, okay, okay. Micronutrients, so, so, macronutrients, fatty acids. It's amazing. It's really cool. I think everybody, it doesn't matter whether you have whatever illness it's, huh. it's so enlightening. And so would an example be like 50 uh, grams of protein a day is okay for well, yeah, it, it depends on your weight, you know, yeah. and also condition like some people, actually with kidney disease will lose muscle mass and me being one of them i've begun to increase my protein slightly as my function has gone up i can uh -huh. handle more you know there are some dietitians working with people using these supplements called keto analogs so they take out the nitrogen out of protein and put a keto group on it and you can get the amino acid benefit, you know, that with the protein and so not lose muscle mass. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of a balance, you know, you have to drop down protein and, you know, major amounts of protein hurt people. Okay. Uh, the carnivore fad has brought a number of people to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I was, what I was getting at. So you're saying that in terms of renology, a good lifestyle and looking at diet, one would be reevaluate your protein and make sure that it's not too high. What about fats? Fats is interesting. You know, for a while, I was really a proponent of low-carb, high-fat. Yeah. But then I started realizing, I mean, in some ways, kidney people need some carbs. I mean, it's, it's personal. If somebody's obese and, you know, blah, 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 then you personalize it. But generally, to balance out lowering protein and caution with fats, okay. because too high of a fat diet causes dysbiosis messes up gut bugs and that and you know lps you might see that on things you know it's 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 a problem with some bad bacteria and those molecules will hop into the circulation and cause trouble elsewhere and so you know i've kind of been modulating you know i think a little bit of saturated fat's a nice thing in a diet i just found out today from somebody pistachio nuts are a good source of good saturated fat you know we use ghee but not much you know i mean but i think caution with polyunsaturated fats they cause inflammation why add to inflammation when you have kidney disease inflammation okay. is not your friend you know in our household we use olive oil you know the, the, the nice refined olive oil but not to cook with because it can mess it up when you heat it i love sesame oil it's a little bit higher in omega-6. So, you know, seed oils, you got to be careful. Avocado oil seems to be my go-to. And, you know, coconut oil just seems like a better idea on the outside than on the inside. But Okay, so beware of proteins, not so crazy on the fats. And what else would you suggest in terms salt of... Salt is a huge thing. Oh, tell, talk about salt. I mean, I, I just found this out today. I, I, I'd heard it, but it just 
got in my head better that salt and sugar in the kidney tubules interact and make for more trouble. And, you know, as soon as you hear somebody has protein in their urine, drop the salt. The tubules have transporters, you know, so there's stuff in a tube and it has to get out of the tube. There's these little like, you know, like little doorways and you have to know what to ask the doorman to get to that door and they can break. And they do break with kidney disease. And so then you have issues, you know, if you have too much sodium in your blood that you're not peeing it out, that's a problem. If you peed out too much salt and you, you know, it's it's very complicated. And I think that's why people don't know about kidney. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a super stupid question, but what about people who pee all the time and it's not because of diabetes? Is there something about that? Like, I don't know, is that a symptom of something other than diabetes? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there, I mean, there's there's a big differential diagnosis, but you know, there are chemicals induced with CKD that can actually, you know, vasopressin, you know, anti-diuretic hormone. So if you don't, enough anti-diuretic hormone you diuretic meaning you're peeing too much yeah okay and there's a balance you know your sodium gets too low your potassium gets too low that's a problem with kidney more it's more of a problem that they go up but there's no you know it's not anywhere because i've seen people with with all of these possibilities you know the other thing that's really important to know is alkalinize your diet alkalinize every day and with kidney the excretion of acid, which our lives are full of acids. You eat, we need acids. They break things down. You know, uh-huh. these, these aren't bad things, but when they get out of balance, they're harmful. And so with the advent of kidney, you can accumulate too much acid and that damages everything. So what does, what does that look like in a diet? If you elk, elk, what, however you say Alkaline, it. Alkaline, <laughs> you know, get back to basics. It's, you know, acid based and basic foods are plants. Plant-based diet is wonderful. How to get more acidic grains and animal foods. So again, Ah. reason for plant-based diet. And you can do things about it. You know, a half teaspoon of bicarb in a half a cup of water a day Ah. can actually make a difference. I've seen people, and, and here's a cool thing. I mean, when I started doing bicarb, my lab wasn't even that bad, but my uric acid was elevated. My potassium was elevated, my phosphorus was elevated, and my parathyroid hormone was elevated. I started taking bicarb. They all normalized. These are all markers that patients, people listening, should ask their doctors to be checking, it sounds like. Worth it. And and they deny, oh, you know, it doesn't happen in stage three. Mm. Yes, it does. And maybe it's not all the time, but if you're the one it's happening to that got neglected, that isn't okay. Now, what's your opinion about drinking lots of water? People will say you got to drink tons of water, three cups a day, then eight cups a day. Huh? You know, caution. I mean, hydrating for kidney is is absolutely essential. You know, it dilutes things that are dangerous in the blood, so it actually does work. Okay. But yeah, you can overhydrate and lower the chemistry of your blood enough to be dangerous. And so, you know, how do you know? monitor you know i've i've had people get dipsticks and actually monitor you know on amazon for 10 bucks you can buy a tube of 100 dipsticks and there's all kinds of cool stuff you can monitor your glucose in your urine you can monitor that ph in your urine you can monitor the protein in your urine right in your own bathroom and be more proactive okay what about coffee you know, we're just now reading Michael Pollan's new book, and we're loving it. We read out loud. And 
reading the part on caffeine last night. It's like, wow, I used to have a cup of coffee welded to my hand. <laughs> you know, slept with it. I went everywhere with it. And <laughs> I finally realized it really does raise your blood pressure. It could be transient. So uh, to be honest, I went back to my five-year-old coffee habit. I have a cute little cup. I have about, mm, about mm, a centimeter and a half of coffee, about two centimeters of water, put some soy milk in it and a little bit of stevia and cardamom and cinnamon. Uh, and it works. It's just like when I was a little kid, you know, okay. and so it's dose related. You know, I mean, these are the days everybody thinks coffee is wonderful. And I'm not convinced that everybody with kidney disease does well. Because remember, one other thing that coffee does, which I used to enjoy dearly and miss profoundly, by the way, is it stimulates the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Kidney disease in and of itself is a, quote, autonomic nervous system disease. That means too much adrenaline. Sugar also does that, and, and that's another reason to avoid it. But, you huh. know, coffee, coffee and sugar together, you know, yeah. it's favorite. But it's, you know, once you induce the nervous system to be on agitation as opposed to relaxation, you're ending up causing heart damage, blood vessel damage, brain damage, eye damage. You know, I mean, and, and yeah. it's, oh, so, you know, it's like, like the frog in the boiling water, you know, hey, I'm fine. Uh-huh. Okay, so be, besides the foods that we've mentioned, what else would you say fits with the Renology plan? So we want to make sure we're eating a lot of the things that we've already talked about. What else would you include in your lifestyle change package? Well, the sleep issue is huge. I like people getting an aura ring, you know, those rings you can just self-monitor. It's kind of cool. I mean, I got one and I was like, wow, okay, my REM isn't that good. So I adjusted oh. so I can get better REM. So sleep is important. No excuse. You know, don't be drinking caffeine at night and blah, blah, blah. Exercise is not optional. Excessive exercise causes lactic acidosis and not a good thing for, for anybody, but for kidney especially. But something daily, whether, you know, resistance and aerobic, yoga, and relaxation, meditation, prayer, whatever that whole arena is, is really important because of this autonomic overload thing that knowing how to just quiet the soul, quiet the mind, quiet the emotions is medicine. It truly is. I mean, we don't encourage people enough in medicine, but this is a drug. It's a drug called meditation. You know, sit and listen to the birds, watch the clouds. So stress reduction goes along with that. You know, hydration we've talked about. I mean, the diet thing is the hugest of it because it's a big array. Learn how to study, you know, look things up. I started with, gee, my potassium's up. I better look this up. And fun and creativity and recreation. Okay. AK, you know, taking time. I mean, my husband and I take Saturday every week and we turn off our computer. We do our work you know, garden, laundry, cooking will do, but it's a day of, it's a date. So we actually, because one of the things on my renology list is relationships and maintaining healthy, loving, comfort, self-comfort in relating. And so we kind of, in evolution, came up with a day that we just turned off. <laughs> so basically you were able by applying all of these principles you were able to improve your kidney function from 25 to possibly 50%. About a 30 and I yeah, yeah about 25% to to just just short of 50%. I'm pretty excited about that. And 
you know, I've continued to learn and add new things. And so as I'm learning it, I'm sharing it. Yeah. And so what you're doing now is you're seeing people primarily focused on kidney disease. Is that what you do now? Basically doing peer-to-peer with other physicians, you know, more coaching and counseling than actually doing the real primary care. Yeah. Um, But educating physicians is really important to me because that, and other people, I mean, I have a, a group on Facebook for kidney clinicians No, for clinicians who take care of people with kidneys, not necessarily nephrologists, though we have five of them. They're more quiet than most of us. Uh They're dealing with is really later stage. There are a few functional nephrologists who are starting to get excited with this, and I'm hopeful. I have eight years to communicate with nephrology, so part of the tongue-in-cheek about renology they're starting to give up the word renal. They're going to just go to kidney. I did. I studied the history of, of kidney disease and the reins. It's in the Bible. You know, the reins are considered a mystical organ. It's always been hidden, like still, you know, we ignore kidney. It's always been that way. And so I love the mythology in medicine and how we got to where we are. So I thought, fine, they're going to get rid of renal. I'll take it. So, <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm going to, I am... In admiration of nephrology, but I also don't appreciate the neglect in, in the earlier state. And uh-huh. I've decided that that has to be a separate line of thinking. It's a different specialty. And it really is a more holistic mindset that is family medicine. You know, family practice has to be holistic. You can't say, ah, you know, I don't really care about your eyes because all I'm doing is taking care of your left nostril. You don't have that luxury. And yeah. so it's a perfect, you know, holistic everything for kidney really helps personal holism. I expect the clinicians I see to embrace all of that with me. Do you have any pushback on your emphasis on earlier treatment through functional or nutrition? There's much more interest in the functional community than I have found in the allopathic community. In fact, I've even been ridiculed. Ha ha ha, why would you even bother? And that's disturbing to me. That's not medicine to me. That's, you know, go back and start over because you know, I mean, I make a joke. My name's Robin. I call this early bird medicine. Uh, that's great. I love it. The better. I mean, with everything. And I, I was like known as this great diagnostician. Why? Because I was like, wait, this doesn't look good. This, this is a subtle uh-huh. thing here. Let's yeah. follow it through. Yeah. Well, you know, like early bird medicine, like what we do in general medicine is the moment somebody's got protein in their urine, we throw, we throw them an anti, anti-hypertensive. We don't talk about medication or, or um, changes in nutrition. We talk about what medication we should put them on. And then, then we talk about uh, dialysis and then we talk about transplant. Exactly. And that's unacceptable. It really is. I mean, you know, yes, treat the hypertension, but a lot of these things that we're talking about will actually modulate. You know, I mean, and I'm into supplementing with kidney disease. There's a lot of useful things. I mean, vitamin D for one. Magnesium is a lovely one. Early on, you don't have to worry. Later on, very sick, magnesium can go up because you're not excreting it. Earlier, stage two and three, it actually benefits the blood vessels. Right. Um, you know, CoQ10 is a wonderful one with vitamin E because those two together protect the heart and congestive heart failure incidence with later kidney is huge. I don't want to wait till I have congestive failure. What do you do to, to modulate it before? So one of my ahas was this, I grew up in New York and New Jersey. You can probably hear it in my voice. It's like, what are you waiting for? You know, it's like, <laughs> what are we waiting for? 
let's get on with it. You know, what do you have for me now? And that's what patients, I mean, I'm on Facebook groups with thousands of kidney patients. And so often it's like, nobody's doing anything for me. I asked about this. They said, don't worry. It's like, what is this, Mad Magazine? You know, I, I am worried, you know. Worrying meaning proactively, you know, because fear is a really bad thing for kidney. In Chinese medicine, fear is the emotion associated with kidney. And so, you know, and in, and in Chinese medicine, kidney is a generative. It's like really a root cause of a lot. And, and so to honor the kidney function and its role in managing the rest of the body in some way is, is a wonderful. I mean, I'm so excited about this because I never would, I really didn't think about kidney that much. It turned out, I, I asked an old doc mentor of mine when I was first diagnosed to help me think. My brain was not working well. He got some of my old records and what we found out was I had been in stage two. I had a GFR of 78. Well, until very recently, lab work only said GFR greater than 60 normal. But there are formulas and you can figure it out. But, you know, I've heard from other doctors, ah, 57, that's close enough to normal. Don't worry. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, one one of the messages I'm really getting from what you're talking about here is that kidney is, aside from the fact that it has its own value, it's a really good indication of where there's other problems. Because you said there's they're, they're working together, this triad. So including to myself, where can we find more information about this that you're talking about, sort of on a layman's term? Like you mentioned Facebook groups or where can people find out more about the kidney? Not just for those of us who are living sugar-free, but, you know, trying to respond. Figure it out. There, there are a few resources. There's a group of functional renal dietitians who hmm. are really putting out some lovely information. Renaline is the name of their business. And honestly, there are some naturopaths who really have embraced this in the natural lifestyle. But you, your work. I'm working on my book. I'm slow. Anybody listening, good at editing, get in touch with me. I have finally really started taking it all and putting it together. I I have several projects. One of them is called My Kidney Kitchen. That's really the one I want to put out first because it's what did I find out and what have I done? So I can go through, here's my kidney kitchen. Here's what's under the sink. Toxins under the sink will hurt you. Here's my spice cabinet. Here's my supplement cabinet. Here's my tea cozy. Here's my pantry. Here's my bathroom. Okay, it's not the kitchen, but you know, chemicals in there. Here's my kidney garden because we have a garden and I grow a lot of kidney friendly stuff. I mean, there's weeds in my garden that are kidney medicine. I found out from my my local farmer whose sister is on dialysis said, Oh, you want this? She comes over with this pile of weeds that are ducks eat. I looked it up and it's amazing. I mean, you know, one of the things I didn't mention is sugar induces oxalates and that's kidney stones. I mean, sugar will exacerbate kidney stones in anybody. And if you have CKD, way more. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things that we can be doing. You can't do them all. Yeah. But just, just tell me, is cauliflower and Brussels sprouts, are they good for the kidney? They are. Here's the thing to know <laughs> about. I eat them a lot. I want to know. <laughs> yes. So, you know, my issue was the surgeon, sadly, unfortunately, damaged my distal bowel. Oh. Badly. That messed up my gut. So as a result, this patient had 
elevated potassium at a time when they said, oh, people in stage three don't get elevated potassium. Uh -huh. people, I'm sorry, but I, I have elevated potassium. And elevated phosphorus really challenges diet. And so not everybody has that problem. I just got my potassium normalized and I can eat avocados finally. I live in Hawaii where they grow and I'm like, hey, you know, so you really have to know your own personal holes in your bucket and they're going to be different than mine. You know, so it's like detox, get rid of chemicals in your life, you know, avoid fumes and smearing toxic stuff on your body and, and sugar don't forget that sugar and sugar is considered a uremic toxin and like i said the best use of sugar is ferment food you know we make sauerkraut we ferment green beans and chayote and you know whatever we grow we end up fermenting it the bacteria that naturally grow they're lactobacillus which is what's in yogurt which has you know a whole array of benefits and they eat the sugar and it's gone. You're not eating sugar. If you don't, you know, like things like kombucha, you buy kombucha, it's a sugar drink. When we make it, it's so sour. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You definitely have to check out that content. I eat kimchi every single day. It's like mm -hmm. one of my regular daily practices. Yeah. So we will make sure. Thank you so much, first of all, for being here because you have just enlightened. My brain is exploding right now with new information that I was completely unaware of. And I'm so excited to share with individuals that I work with and our audience. We do have a signature question and I've kind of modified it for you. So if you could tell a younger version of yourself something about sugar or something about the kidney, what would it be? Despite the fact that you have menstrual cramps, don't take NSAIDs. <laughs> wow, that's right, NSAIDs. Whole other topic. The irony is before I went to med school, I did a master's family nurse practitioner program, and guess what my research was? NSAIDs, they had just come out, miracle yeah. cure for menstrual pain, and I was miserable. Cool, bad idea. Quit eating sugar. I didn't. I didn't walk my talk. I did well with protein because I actually ate a lot of plant-based protein for years. I love lentils and I love, to I love tofu. I make tofu cheesecakes. I make chocolate tofu cheesecake that's good for you. We call it rice and beans. I don't know. What else would I say? Drink more water. Hydrate better. Quit BSing yourself and go to bed earlier. <laughs> that's a good list. I love it. Those are great answers. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Likewise, Rose. Thank you. Thank you, guys. This was really fun. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group, I'm Sweet Enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one -on -one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours. <laughs>